This is DeRay Olalia, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast, episode 134. Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest in needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location-independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7 Minute Mentor podcast, global entrepreneur and all-round geek. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. I am MC Lobster, the cash flow ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. But whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place. Mr. Hollywood himself presents the Before the Millions podcast. And now your host, DeRay Olalaye. What it do, BTM tribe? Welcome to another installment, installment 134 of the Before the Millions podcast. I'm your host, DeRay Olalaye. And on today's episode, we are featuring Mr. Jim Murray. Jim is not only a real estate investor, he is also a property manager. He became an investor first, and then he saw potential in the property management industry, and he dove in headfirst. So on today's episode, we're going to discuss, we are going to walk you through, we're going to give you examples, we're going to show you exactly how you can start a property management business from scratch. With no experience, no expertise in the industry just yet, we're going to give you all the tools on this episode to make sure that you can make it happen. Now, this is one of my favorite episodes to date. One thing that Jim touched on that I really like is the fact that he was not only looking to achieve freedom in his finances, he was looking for for the things that we love to kind of harp on on this podcast when it comes to lifestyle design. So he was looking for financial freedom. He was looking for location freedom. And he was looking for time freedom. Now, Jim today is managing over 700 units. So he's been able to achieve his financial freedom and his time freedom. He's still working on the third, location freedom. And that's because he's in the middle of building out his team, right? So that he can officially become location independent. I just love exploring different business models in real estate and and seeing how people have built their business from scratch and kind of showing you guys that it's possible for you. Not only is it possible for you, but it's probable for you once you've gotten to the point where you've made a decision to get started and not quit. And what's really cool about the the freedom that a lot of us are seeking, especially when it comes to financial freedom and location freedom, it may surprisingly be easier than you think, right? A lot of people, they're they're looking to save for one day in the future, or maybe the goal is to save a million dollars, so that you're earning 10% a year, right? So that'd be $120,000 a year in passive income. And that's money that you can live off of. And at that point, maybe you feel as though, well, now I'll be financially free or I'll have my time back or I'll be location independent. But oftentimes those goals of financial freedom and location independence are, are, are quite literally in, in our grasp. And it's not until we shift our thinking to how we can get there faster now today that things really start to happen and take off for us. I was just talking to a listener a few days ago. We were on a one-on-one call and we were helping her get started with real estate. 
And um, she's an entrepreneur, a traveling entrepreneur, location-independent entrepreneur. And I was just fascinated by her story. She currently lives in Los Angeles, and she is the owner of a bookkeeping service, right? So she had a similar background to me in which she went in the accounting industry, and she realized she didn't want to be there. Within a few months, she was able to promote herself on some of these online platforms and tell people, hey, I offer bookkeeping services. If you need some services, hey, let me know. And um, today... Just a few months later, she's at the point to where she she has to say no to a lot of the inquiries that are coming in. Just a few clients that, you know, radically changed her life. Let's just say four or five clients. She's currently managing their books. And because she's managing their books and it's super easy to do, you can do it from anywhere in the world as long as you have a laptop. She's not only been able to achieve replacing her income at her old job, but also location independence, which allows her again to travel to the multiple countries that she's been to. And now she can start working on financial freedom while already living the lifestyle that she wants. So she's not a millionaire by any stretch of the imagination. And she most likely doesn't have a six-figure business. But what she understands is that if she can create enough income and she can make that income in a fashion that allows her to be location independent, that she's already achieved her goals before even really getting started. So ultimately, what I'm saying is this. If you know your goals and they're clear, they're concise, it's a much easier process trying to navigate to those goals. Now, I do want to iterate, although she's not financially free, she's created a lifestyle that works for her. And she's living that life today, not waiting for someday in the future. And that's partly because she doesn't believe that one thing must come before another. But again, a lot of this clarity comes with crystal clear goals. Right. She has her time freedom. She can work whenever she wants. She has location independence and the work that she's doing covers her expenses. So technically, she's not financially free. But who's to say that she's not already living her ultimate lifestyle design on the way to financial freedom? I love these niches. I love hearing about different niches that individuals are using to create their their lifestyle design. And very similar to Jen. He started a property management business to create his ultimate lifestyle design. And we really get into it, guys. We're going to get into the numbers, how much you should charge as a property manager, um, how much you make as a property manager as opposed to an investor. We're going to get into some of the responsibilities of our property management company. So you're going to leave this episode with a wealth of information. If you're looking to add a property management business line like Jim did, or if you're looking to get into property management full force. It's funny, I've had a few people hit me up via Instagram DMs. And, and guys, if we're not yet connected on Instagram, my Instagram handle is my first and last name, Dario Lalia. I had a few uh, few people hit me up via Instagram DMs that are looking to start property management companies. So this episode is being released at the right time. And um, I hope you guys get a lot of value from it. And even if you're not in this industry, you're like, Dorey, like I listen to your podcast to become an investor, right? It's really an episode where the ideas and the concepts bleed into other businesses, bleed into your investing strategy. I know that halfway through the conversation, we talk about a member of the Before the Millions Mastermind, and we talk about cold calling and his metrics. And that type of conversation is an eye-opener for anybody in sales, for anybody who's pounding the pavement, for anybody who's making calls, door knocking, whatever it is that you're doing. Um, it's a real eye-opener. So again, even if you're not looking to start a property management company, uh, this episode is going to contain a wealth of knowledge. Now, this episode is similar to episode 133, 132, 131, and a ton more in the database. They're highlighting different real estate strategies. And I always like to say that all these real estate strategies make money. 
So ultimately, I want you to think about what your overall goal is, and then I want you to reverse engineer. And we'll get into this a little bit in the tip of the week. But if you don't already know, my guide is officially out, the Before the Millions Newbies Guide. And this guide is actually going to help you filter through exactly how you, in particular, should get started in real estate. That's over at beforethemillions.com forward slash guide. Okay, guys, again, like I said, this is one of my favorite episodes to date because Jim just dropped so much value, guys. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. But first, let's get to the tip of the week. DeRay's Tip of the Week. Okay, so this is where the rubber meets the road. You want to get started in real estate or you want to get started in any business venture. I think this applies across the board, but I believe that there are five things to consider. So these are the five things to consider when starting a new business venture. Thing number one to consider is your vision. What is your overall vision? What is your overall goal? What are you looking to achieve by setting out on this journey? Once you have that in place and you have it solidified, things get super easy because now you can distinguish between things that get you to your vision and things that just sound good or look good or make money, right? Another thing to consider is your budget. What do you have to work with? What are your resources? Budget doesn't necessarily mean money, but it can mean budgeting your time and budgeting other resources. But yes, what is your budget? What is your monetary budget? How much can you spend per month? And when you know this, again, you're going to be able to really, really be able to clue in on exactly what you should be doing and how you should be going about your journey and your process. Another thing to consider is your skills, your skill set. Where do your particular skills fit in the grand scheme of things? And does it help or hinder you to take on certain tasks or a certain role or a certain strategy? You also want to consider mindset. And mindset may sound like fluff, but this may be the most important piece because your journey is not going to get started if... One, you don't take risk. Two, you're not of a winning mindset. And three, it's not going to continue or it's not going to progress or you're not going to meet your goal if you don't have an abundance mindset and if you don't have the mindset that allows you to stick it through during tough times. Okay, last but not least, the fifth thing is your strategy. And this is a big one because you may have a vision. You may have your budget sorted out. You may have the right mindset. You may have all the skills necessary to perform the tasks that you want to do. But yet and still, you may be going about it in the wrong way. Your strategy may not line up with your goals. And I see this far too often. Heck, I was a victim to it multiple times. You may have chosen your strategy based on emotion or maybe even the money aspect of things. So it's important to make sure that you have the right strategy when you get started in real estate or again, guys, any business venture. So with the vision, with the right strategy, your budget in place, the right mindset and skills. I think those are the fundamental key pieces for a successful entrepreneur. So sometime this afternoon or this evening, take the time to really understand and and become one with your vision. It's not somebody else's adopted vision. It is your vision for what you want for your life and what you want for your family's life. Once that's super clear, we can start breaking down your mindset and the skills and your budget and your strategy. And again, guys, I have a guide that walks you through this entire process. It's over at beforethemillions.com forward slash guide. Ultimately, where you want to be is you want to be in a place of confidence about what it is that you're pursuing how long it's going to take you to get there and what it's going to take to get there. And the best way I know how to do that is to start with the overall vision. People say it all the time. If I knew then what I know now, what I would do differently. Hindsight is twenty twenty, right? You'll still have mistakes. You'll still have to jump over hurdles. You'll still have roadblocks you have to go around. But I want to help you circumvent a lot of the unnecessary roadblocks. 
And if I can do that, then I'd consider that a job well done. Okay, guys, let's go ahead and get to the show. And now your feature presentation. On today's episode, I'm super excited to introduce to you guys, Mr. Jim Murray. Jim, how's it going today? I'm good. I am crazy excited to be here. Hopefully, I can share some great golden nuggets with the audience. Share some of my insight from uh, the ups and downs of real estate and the property management business. It's Uh, been a crazy ride. It's been a crazy ride. We'll get into that for sure. (laughs) (laughs) As soon as you say it's been a crazy ride, I want to know about that. But first, where am I talking to you from? Yeah, so I'm based out of Rhode Island, and I manage property in Rhode Island and southeastern Massachusetts. Uh, so did the chicken come before the egg or the egg before the chicken? Did you start investing and then got into property management, or or did you That's... get into property management and was like, oh, I could invest? Or did you kind of do both? Well, how, did, how did that happen? Yeah, so I bought my first multifamily, and after I bought my first multifamily, stabilized it, caught the real estate bug, and I was trying to figure out what do I do next? So I started wholesaling. The first list that I'd mailed was owners with high equity, other multifamily owners. Then I dove into very quickly a probate list. And then lastly, uh, an inherited list. I've never received so many death threats for a mailing list in my life when I mailed that inherited list. Inherited so like, how'd, list. You, how'd you get this information? I'm like, I'm just mailing a high equity list. It did not go well. <laughs> um, my first wholesale deal was a three family in Attleboro, Massachusetts. And as soon as I got that phone call and he said the price on the phone, I knew that I could make it happen. I very quickly realized having conversations across those three separate lists, who I was really good at speaking to. And those were tired landlords. That's what I was really most interested in. I've always been focused on achieving financial freedom. And a friend recently he has a three freedoms group on Facebook. So he talks about financial freedom, uh, time freedom, and location freedom. So that's what I've been more focused on recently. Um, I definitely have time freedom, a little bit of financial freedom, but it's all about that geography or location freedom that I'm trying to chase now. Um, So not there, but always trying to get a little bit better. And my goal was always to achieve that through passive income from real estate. So it started with my first four unit property, got into wholesaling, bought a second four unit property, flipped a couple houses, and then I caught a bad review at my full-time job. So that was kind of that was kind of the push. But during that whole process, when I when I started thinking about property management, when you really break down the numbers to see what investor nets on a monthly basis per door on a multifamily property, it's really similar to the management fee that a property manager makes. So in our area, um, investors typically aim to make $125 to $150 net per door on a multifamily investment. Now it's going to be different in any area that you're in. My management fees aren't that high. I would say a middle of the road for in the market that we're in, but they're very similar. So I thought to myself, hey, if I don't have all this capital to go out and buy a ton of properties, if I become a property manager and something that I enjoy, it's a process that I like to live day in and day out, then I can essentially build a property management company, escape my nine to five, gain some of that time freedom through the right systems. But I'm essentially making the same as an investor would. And part of the strategy behind that too, is that if you build a great company, you stand, stand by your word and you do the right things, there's a life cycle to any investment, right? Or a life cycle to any investor. So you get in, you buy a property, hopefully you hold it for a long time, but eventually you're going to sell. So if you've been working with a property manager for a long period of time, you're probably coming to me first when you go to sell that property Mm. to ask me, 
hey, Jim, do you want to buy it? Do you have an investor that wants to buy it? And I think it's a really cool opportunity as we continue to grow this business. We're five years young now. But as our investor base starts to age, in terms of the people that we work with, we're going to have more and more of those opportunities to purchase more property out of the portfolio we already manage. It's an asset that we're familiar with. And there may be an opportunity for seller financing based on the trust that we've built with those clients. Mm -hmm. So that was really the thought process of why property management. Um, So we've really focused on growing our management portfolio. We're just under 700 units today. Um, And then more recently, we've been focused on working with the right clients as we see the writing on the wall that we're very late in this real estate cycle. You know, we could, we could definitely talk about the investment side of things and we could also talk about the property management side of things. But this podcast is predicated on lifestyle design. You named three things. You're looking for time freedom. You're looking for financial freedom and location independence. Yep, absolutely. Those, those are the same exact things that I was looking for when I had a, a corporate w, W2 job. I was just like, dude, like I'm working 70 hours a week for somebody else. I'm paying half of my money to the government in taxes. The other half is going <laughs> to the bank and, and credit cards and student loans. And that whole year... My entire my entire sweat equity has gone to a company, a company that has not recognized me for the work that I've been put in. And I also right. don't get any fulfillment. Right. Because I was a, I was a big four accountant. That's I'm, amazing. Yeah. I was. So I was I was in real estate. But at the same time, I'm just making sure the numbers add up. So the yeah. clients that we had right at my accounting firm, the clients that we had like they were seeing success. They were seeing progress. They were getting their financials right. They saw what the bigger picture was and why they hired my firm. But I'm just yep. making sure that seven plus three adds to 10. Like I don't, I don't get any fulfillment. I don't get any satisfaction. So immediately I was just like, dude, like I got to control my time again. And you know what this it's is- about? It's about owning your own destiny. Yeah. That's the biggest part, right? Oh, yeah. So as entrepreneurs, a lot of people joke that, you know, we're working 80 hours so we don't work 40 for somebody else. But a lot of us are willing to put in that time because we own the outcome. Like, and this is fun. This is work right now, Jim. Right. This is work, right? This is <laughs> that's work. The, that's the best part. <laughs> that's the best part. That and and these, I, I really enjoy these conversations. Being on podcasts or talking with other entrepreneurs, I had I have an apparel guy, and then he also does signs as well. Um, but he came out yesterday, and he works with a plethora of other entrepreneurs in the area. And I always love calling him out because it's not just about buying another sign or buying more apparel, but he tells me stories about these other entrepreneurs. And based on the business that I have, it leads to other opportunities around that, right? Um, So when you talk about this being work, that's the most exciting part of like, I get to deal with other entrepreneurs all day, learn stories from them. And hopefully this is a big golden nugget for the audience too. Whatever industry you're in, if you want to differentiate yourself, don't look within the industry, right? So a lot of folks will look within the industry that they're in. If I'm in Rhode Island, they'll look at a property manager in California, maybe a property manager in New York, see the different things that they're doing. And that's cool to a certain extent in terms of maybe trying to find the best technology to work with or you know, a couple of other different things that you could take from them to leverage in your own business. But I think that's really foundational. If you want to build something massive, you have to go to other industries outside of your own and bring those back. So like, look at Apple recently. They're not looking at their competitors, right? In the different market segments that they're in. Now they're getting into the financial world with their Apple credit card, right? So they're looking outside the four walls in different industries to figure out how to continue to expand and bringing that home. So if you want to be a successful entrepreneur, like for me, don't just look in the property management industry. Look at other local businesses, other national businesses that are doing really cool things and see if we can mirror some of that or bring back that 
type of ideology back into our business. Yeah, that is beautiful. Beautiful. I love that concept. And I think it, it holds true for, for every industry, right? For every lesson that we learn in life, I think it's super invaluable to take those experiences and apply that to your current situation. That's beautiful. Absolutely. Um, Jim, let's, let's walk through, let's, let's help somebody. Let's help a few people build okay. up from scratch their property management business. Right. I love you, that. You've done it. You have you you manage over seven hundred units. But I want to talk about that first one. And maybe not your first one, but I want I wanna I wanna imagine an individual, Jim, who who who's on this who's listening to this podcast and they're like, dude, I don't even know like what to charge, where to go, what to say, um, who to turn to, where to find lead. I don't know any of this stuff. Like, give me like you know, I, and I don't want you guys because you know, people often say, Hey, like you gave me a ton of options, so I'm still kind of hazy like i want to yep. give somebody a specific number to charge like hey like we're charging six percent or we're charging ten percent right and then again you keep, keep in mind that you're wearing the hat of the first time property manager somebody who just needs to manage their first property so they can leverage that right to build their portfolio i love this i love this and i've i've got a great story from this weekend yes so for years i've asked my partner chris um our first client his name is tim he had a three family in a D neighborhood in Providence, Rhode Island. And for years, I'm like, Chris, does Tim know that he was our first client? He's like, nah, nah, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. Chris got married on Saturday, right? So um, it's been a crazy week for me as he's on his honeymoon and I'm trying to like maintain everything. Um, but at Chris's wedding, Tim was there. And I walk up to him like, hey, how's it going? And he goes, you know that I know that I was your first client, right? <laughs> Like, that is awesome. I'm like, I'm glad that you're stuck with us. He's like, you guys hit the ground running, like legitimately. Like we evicted the the problem tenant that he had. We got in there, we turned it over. We got all of his rents up and he was able to sell it. He came to us, right? And he said, what do you guys think it's worth? And we're like, and this was three or four years ago before the market really started to take back off. And Rhode Island's always the last state in the nation to come out of the recession. Wow. And I told him, I said, listen, I think it's probably worth 160. He's like, hey, Jim, that's really cool. I got an offer from 185 from an out-of-state investor. I'm going to dump it. When he tried to sell it at 130 before we turned it around, and he couldn't get rid of it. So that was a really cool story when we hit the ground running. Um, but Tim was a referral um, from Chris's now wife, but then girlfriend. So I think if you're going to start your own property management business, start with your natural network. There is someone that you know that owns multifamily property even if it's just helping them out to gain yourself a little bit of street cred because um, so I, I host another podcast with a partner as well. And he talks about kind of real estate investing as a three-legged stool, right? So whether you have the experience, the time or the capital. So in the beginning, if you're launching a property management company, you have to have the time. You don't have to have the experience or the capital. So try to leverage your time to help somebody else out. The other big thing is we were sitting in that initial conversation with Tim and it was at 6 p.m. after I got out of my nine to five and it's snowing outside, I think in the middle of January. And we said, hey, Tim, uh, you know, our management fee is 10%. What do you think about it? He's what like, what do you think about it? <laughs> right. I know. Cause in the beginning, like you're trying to close, I don't, we were, it was an interesting conversation yep. for sure. But now we have more of a refined sales process as, as we grow in the business. Um, but, but, but real quick, before you get to the story, is that how? Somebody that's starting out should approach it like, hey, let's figure out what works for both of us. Yeah. So I would say in the beginning, it doesn't even have to be a client. It just could be someone that you know that owns multifamily properties to get your feet wet. So then you have that first client conversation where you're going to charge that fee. 
And then you can be more comfortable because you have a level of confidence from doing it. Now, if you already own multifamily property, skip step one, go to step two. During that conversation with Tim, he said, don't care about the percentage. I'm a blue collar guy. I just want to know what my dollar fee is on a monthly basis per unit. So I looked at Chris and made a game time decision. I'm like $75 a unit. Game time. I love it. And, and Tim's <laughs> like, all right, cool. Um, Cause we looked at his rents and his rents were below market. And I was like, by the way, we can pay for ourselves $75 a unit. Let's sign the contract. He signed it and we're off to the races. So I think that's, that's big up front. Like, when so you, real quick, you, real quick, recap, recap, know your fee, yep. whether it's on a percentage basis or it's on a, on a fee, an actual, you know, an actual disclosed fee basis, know your yep. fee, right? Know exactly who your market is. So this can be, again, networking, like talking to people, um, seeing if you have any investors in your circumference who have properties, especially multifamily. Yep. So know yep. your market, know your fee. And I had one more, but it's, it slipped my mind. But so. That, you triggered one in my head, if I can cut you short. For yeah, that. yeah. So exactly where you're leading. Um, so I used to work for a big financial firm and they used to say, hey, listen, these are the three target client profiles, right? So it was like Johnny, Sally, and Susie. So in our business, I always talk about like what an ideal client looks like. So in the beginning, maybe it's not 100% necessary, but it's going to definitely help refine the vision. I'm huge on the book called The Secret by Rhonda Byrne where you set that antenna and that's where the universe attracts to you. Kind of sounds like some hippie stuff. <laughs> Profile the type of client that you want to work with. That's really going to help out in the beginning. So we quickly quickly learned, and this was Tim too. Tim is a, a small business owner. We want to work with other entrepreneurs for a couple of different reasons. But the main reason is, as an entrepreneur, you have to take some type of leap of faith and you have to have trust in the process. So I find, and this isn't, I would say this isn't a stereotype. This is tried and true from my experience. Folks who have a nine to five job that hire a property manager are typically more micromanagers. It's just a natural part of the process. Some are more micromanagers than others, but an entrepreneur really has trust in the process. And they're like, Hey guys, here it is. Take care of it. Send me my monthly statements. Might have a couple questions. That's me. But <laughs> right, yeah. like, Hey, listen, I, I trust you. Now, if stuff goes sideways, like you're definitely going to hear me. Um, but I'm going to trust your process. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to like, as long as we have a good conversation up front and set that vision of like, this is where we're at, this is where we can go. And then you just hand it off. Right. So we always target the small business or the, or the entrepreneur. Gotcha. The other aspect of that is like folks in a nine to five, their first investment is probably not going to be a multifamily. It's probably going to be in a 401k, which when employers match a certain percent, that's a great first, first investment. I feel that small business owners and entrepreneurs, they want to see it, right? So they want to be able to, even if they're not managing that property, they want to drive by it. So I think based on those two factors, when, when we think about that type of client that we want to specifically target, like that's how we set it. We want to work with other entrepreneurs. And that may be different for other folks when they start out in the business, but I would like create what that ideal client looks like. Um, not to go into dating too much, but it's almost like everyone has uh I, I don't know, not a profile, but they have a specific type of spouse that they may want to, you know, marry or or be with, right? So some, I'll I'll be a little bit of a guy now, but like some guys like blondes, some guys like brunettes, like it's the same. It's very similar to that. Yeah, I love that. I love that analogy too. Um, so I want to talk about now. Now that we kind of have metrics, I kind of want to talk about responsibilities, right? And maybe even before responsibility, I think about 
I think about the person just now starting out. I know it's hard for you to do at this point, and it's definitely hard for me to do having never been a property manager, but I think about somebody starting out and again, just going down a very similar real estate track to being an investor, right? When you start out on property management, I imagine that one of the things that gave you confidence, right? Because you can get confidence a number of different ways. And one of those ways is experience. One of the things that gave you confidence was experience because you already were an investor. Yeah. Some people may be jumping in. They may not be investors, right? Would it be a good idea for them to go and work for a property management company first? Or is that Absolutely. kind of like, yeah? yeah? Yeah. So I would tell you that just this week, and I think it's just a fortunate circumstance for the amount of work that we've put in. But I had um, three different folks reach out to see if we we're hiring. Now, one had interviewed for a role before. She took another job before we were ready to pull the trigger. And two others were like straight called calls or DMs on Instagram about, hey, what are you guys doing? Would love to learn, even if I'm, you guys aren't paying me, just want to be a part of the process to learn the property management side of things. Um, my partner came from another property management business before we got into business together. And that gave him a level of experience and confidence, even though he hadn't owned a multifamily previously. Um, I think that's a, that's a really good idea of how to get comfortable with, with being a property manager if you don't own an investment property now. I think that's Perfect. a great idea. What are some of the things, if you were like going out to work for a property management company, what are some of the things that you should be cognizant of? What should you look out for? And relate this as it relates to responsibilities, right? So now that, hold that question. Now that you you got your first property under management, right? What are your responsibilities? Like, are you are you responsible for increasing rent? Are you responsible for getting bids on 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 repairs, right? Like, so when you're, when you, again, going back to the fact that you're going to work for a property management company, what should you be keenly aware of in the processes that they're doing and what they're responsible for? First and foremost, if you want to have success as a property manager, you have to own the outcome. If you want to be successful, you have to be extremely accountable, particularly if you're brand new to the business you are going to make mistakes. And the right clients, I mean, as long as you're not losing them thousands of dollars, are going to be okay with that as long as you own the outcome. Some of our best clients, we, we haven't had perfect relationships with, but I would tell you that no property manager is perfect. So um, I'm going to flip the script a little bit. If you were an investor looking for a property manager, I would tell you to find one that has a similar investment strategy to what you're looking for, but recognize they are never going to be perfect. You may get one that's really good on the leasing side of things, really tight on the financials, but maintenance may be a little bit slow. Find one that fits, you know, wherever your hot topic is in terms of like you, where you want to have a high level of success. Make sure they're really good at that component, but know that no one is going to be perfect. Um, we have a large client that we are their fourth, fourth property manager over the course of a year. And that always worries me. But I think that they're newer investors. They scaled very quickly. And I don't think that folks gave them the right amount of time. But I don't think that the other property managers provided the right level of coaching, too. So you got to recognize, like, the property manager. I hate being in all these boats that you come up with. I I, That actually happened to me. And for me, it was, hey, these property managers are not executing the plan that we discussed. Yep. Right, they're not yeah. Executing. So Go ahead. I, I think that's great. So if they're not executing, move on. Absolutely. 100%. If they're not going to execute. And I will add um, a little tidbit in there. Third property management company I hired in this process, back when I hired them, I wasn't really keen on looking over contracts. <laughs> 
Um, So they had a ton of clauses in there. One that really, really hampered me. I don't know what the clause is called, but it it was to the effect of I'm not allowed to sue them. I'm not allowed to go after them. That really, really hampered me until this day. Like I read every single contract because of this management company and kind of what happened. But but no, I, I get some of that turmoil. That's why I'm just like, dude, like for people going in, like I need people to be clear on what their responsibilities are and kind of what's expected of them. So you touched on, you touched on the top three, I think there may be more, you touched on leasing, you touched on the financials and you touched on maintenance. Anything else you could think of? Um, Off the top of my head, I think about those as the three pillars. So like when someone comes in, a lot of times investors call, and I think that this is completely the wrong method. Investors call and it happened an hour ago. (laughs) <laughs> hey, Jim, interested in finding a property manager? How much do you cost? What's your pricing? If you're looking for a property manager, pricing, you, you have to establish a value proposition. But when you get on that phone call, it's really about figuring out if you want to work together with them. This is like a marriage, right? In real estate to make sure that they're going to take care of your pride and joy, your investment property or multiple investment properties. So I try to redirect that conversation and say, hey, you know, do you have a current property manager? Have you worked with a property manager previously? Where are you coming from? What are your current headaches? Sometimes people will call and they'll, they'll have an issue that is like consistent across the property management industry. So if you're an investor with you know, a single unit or a single family and you're working with a larger property manager, you may not get as much time as you want. They may just not have the bandwidth to you know, get on the phone with you for an hour a day. So you really got to figure out what the right fit is. So have that conversation up front to say, hey, this is what I'm trying to solve for. And then have the property manager tell you, yep, I can solve A with X, B with Y, and C with Z. If that fits, then step into pricing. I love that. Right? Beautiful. Right? Beautiful. So um, you, you, it's, it's like asking to sleep with somebody on the first date, right? That's like, hey, what's your pricing? You know, figure, <laughs> out, figure out if you're compatible first before you dive right in. I love that. I love that. Jim, let's get back into your story. Let, let's kind of, let's talk to the marketing arm of your business. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to actually talk to the marketing arms of your business and cut off one of the arms. The, the, the probably the, the, the <laughs> biggest source of, of new leads is I'm going to take a, a wild guess and say it's referrals. You know what? When we started, it wasn't. Now it is. Yep. It, okay. it absolutely is. So, so let's cut off the referrals. Let's cut off that arm and let's talk to cold leads. When you're looking at your business structure and where you're marketing, where are the, the highest percentage of cold leads converting from? The cold leads originally when we started our business, our first 150 units came from Thumbtack, which is crazy. Wow. But Thumbtack has really changed their strategy. It used to cost us like 3 to $5 per lead. And a lot of folks on Thumbtack, at least in the property management business, were tire kickers. Uh, not looking to pay a lot or at least not finding the value proposition of a property manager. Second cold leads used to come in from, it's called All Property Management. It's a Buildium company. So Buildium is a software provider within the property management industry. And then they also had All Property Management, which provided leads. They were like a hundred, I don't know. It all depends on the area because you can bid it up if there are multiple property managers there. So like, say you say, all right, I'm willing to pay 110 for a three family lead. Well, I can pay 115 and I'm going to show as the number one ranked manager in the area because I'm paying 115 and you're paying 110. Mm. Um, I will tell you that the leads that came in from there were really hot for a while. So that helped us maybe pick up like another 50 to 75 units. Um, so those are two lead sources. There's no one, another one called managemyproperty.com, another pay per lead. I thought that was really solid. 
the other best place for property managers to go and hunt down leads. I would say that these, maybe not stone cold, but they're a little bit warmer, bigger pockets. So mm-hmm. biggerpockets.com. When you go out there and you start interacting with other local investors, following like Providence or Rhode Island or Boston to meet other investors in the area, that is going to naturally help you establish relationships to build into that referral business. I know you cut off my right arm in the referral business, but <laughs> if I can start on bigger pockets, it helps me kind of regrow that arm to, to gain those referrals. I love that. But I think that's really important. And that's been something that I focused on this year. Not so much bigger pockets, but like, how do you, I'm, I'm thinking about how I grow my arm back, right? Even though you didn't task me with that. <laughs> um, so my it. number one business goal this year was called Kill em With Content right? So see if I can get on some podcasts, see if I can launch my own podcast, push, push out valuable content daily on Instagram, and then at least you know, every couple of days on Facebook. So for my own, my own business, we launched the Lion Chronicles. And my business partner's like, dude, this is crazy. I don't know why you're spending... F-, you, know, you thought I was spending a lot more time. But I was like, it takes me like 10 to 15 minutes. I shoot a sub one minute video with a quick tip. And what started happening was we would start to go out to look at properties and Chris went out and he met with a couple different realtors and they're like, Chris, you work with Jimmy over at Lion, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah, you know him? And uh, they're like, oh yeah, I see his Facebook videos all the time. So um, I think that publishing that content is huge. And even if you're newer starting out and you don't know as much, um, you know, anytime you come across a tip, like publish a video, that video is out there forever. You can put it on a YouTube channel as you get those cold sales calls. You can be like, if someone asks a question about, you know, what is your application process or how do you screen a tenant? Hey, you know what? I'm going to talk you through that right now. If you have any follow-up questions, like check out this YouTube video that I shot to just show you who I am. And I think that that helps introduce people to you and then also to your brand. I love that. I love that. Frank Kern calls that intent-based marketing and that's beautiful. I love um, that. I host a mastermind and my, this mastermind is comprised of uh, real estate entrepreneurs that have different uh, businesses in real estate, one of which is a property manager. And yep. um, he, he, he was kind of down a few weeks ago and I just kind of want to speak to his numbers really quick because hopefully he'll listen to this episode. I want to speak to his numbers real quick and I'm sure he doesn't mind me sharing. Um, but he, he cold calls for sale by owners, right? He cold I calls love that. He cold calls for sale by owners. He does it 30 minutes a day at work, right? So a total of two and a half hours a week. Mm-hmm. He calls around 400 people, right? And his success rate, his, his, uh, how many leads he gets from that is about 10%. So he gets about 30. That's, he gets a, that's good, right? That's, that's a great. good conversion. Yeah, that's a yeah. good conversion I, for, for just so, straight so this cold is what, calling. This is what he brought to the mastermind. I was like, I, I, don't think, I don't think this is worth my time. I think I should focus on my meetups and some of these other things that he's doing to bring it. I was like, like, yep. dude, like, let me break this down for you. Like, so again, 10%. I was like, that's unheard of, right? I, so I think that's a solid number, Yeah, right? That you can have 40 solid conversations out of 400. Like, that's a good clip. And of so. those people, about 6% become clients. So in, in August, yeah. I, think he, I think it was four, I think in August it was uh, 400 to 38 uh, leads to two clients. And then in September it was 400 to like 42 or so leads to three clients. I'm like, dude. So I would, so I think that those numbers are right where they should be, right? Yeah. So if we think about like you're absolutely calling, um, calling people cold, I would, I would bet that you can convert one out of a hundred, right? But guess what? Those other ninety nine that you don't convert, they now know who you are. Yeah. And then my favorite thing to do, and hopefully this is like a great golden nugget. Um, I had no idea how to sell anything when I started, right? And that, and that's like case in point when I was like, hey Tim, what do you think about our management fee? 
stupid, just <laughs> dumb, right? Yeah. But if I'm in a scenario where I find that we're not a good fit for someone, or I can, I even use this to check the conversation to see if it's warm or cold. I use the referral close, like learn that from Grant Cardone. Like I'll get to a point and if I either want to redirect the conversation or just kind of get a gut check to see if we're heading in the right direction, I'll say, Hey, listen, it sounds like we're having a good conversation. Do you have anybody else who may be a tired landlord that I could help? And if they kind of stop and think about it or say, Oh yeah, I have a friend. One, they have trust in you, but two, you may have a second lead. So that's the biggest thing on all of those calls. All these nuggets. right? (laughs) Right. So that, that, I use the referral close all the time. And my team is like, dude, do you use anything else? I'm like, I use a couple other things, but I really, <laughs> I really like that one and it's effective for me. So that's what I continue to use. So, um, you know, that's when awesome. I think about the metrics that you just shared, I think that those are actually really strong numbers. I'm glad you're in a grants because you've been in this industry for a long time, but me knowing that I deal with investors every day who call for sale by owners and their numbers aren't that high. I was like, dude, you're killing it. Like, what are you talking about? If anything, you need to find more time to make these calls. And I was like, what's what's the average call? What's the average, um, what's the average revenue per client? Like how much are these clients worth? And then we broke that down and then we broke down what his hourly rate was just based off of that. He was like, whoa. It works. It works, right? Yeah. So it, it, it's a beautiful process, but it's, but I think the, the overall message here is that there's a system and there are metrics and you're tracking those metrics. And once you know those metrics, you can, you can literally forge your destiny. Speaking of destiny, Jimmy, what's, what's the plan for you? What, what, what's the goal here, right? <laughs> 700 units managed and, and all the investments that you have. I, you talked about lifestyle design. You talked about hitting two out of the three. When do you, and I'm going to hold you to this, right? On this podcast, like (laughs) when do you plan on hitting the third one and what does that look like for you? Yeah. So I would love to accomplish the third one in the next five years and it's all a matter of scaling the team. So we're really well positioned for that. Um, Part of the toughest thing for us in growing our company is finding the right people. I read this book in college and I absolutely hated it in college, but now I kind of live and die by the mantra of this book. It's called Good to Great by Jim Collins. And he talks about if you want to take that business from good to great, it's not only about getting the right people on the bus, but getting them in the right seats. So candidly, like we, we've struggled with that. Like hiring is probably one of the most difficult things as you start to scale. But once you create that great core team, it starts to get easier and easier. So we're really well positioned for that now. And I think if over the course of the next five years, I'll be able to grow or gain that location freedom where as long as I have Wi-Fi and cell coverage, I can help manage my business from essentially anywhere. Lifestyle design acceleration hacks. What is your favorite before the millions book? Yes. So this is really interesting because my number one favorite book used to be the richest man in Babylon. And I happened across a book on Kindle and I normally read all like, I have to hold the book. Like I'm just a book nerd like that. Right. Mm -hmm. But I, I had a friend that had a Kindle and I was headed to the beach and I needed a book. I stumbled across the wealthy gardener. I now at least a couple hundred books. Wait, wait, Jim, Jim, Jim real quick. I, I read your lips, but I, the audio cut out. You said you now swear that, but you, you now swear by that book, right? Yes. Why did the audio cut out when you sweared? I don't know, but it cut out. I, I can tell that's what you said. Okay, I just wanted to fill it in really quick. All right, go ahead. Nice. Um, the wealthy gardener is where it's at. It is. Uh, it is the most profound book I've ever read in my entire life. It really? brings, it's a synopsis of multiple other books, uh, multiple other folks that I regard as mentors or thought leaders. And it just contains 
a lot of really valuable information in order to create the life that you want. Hmm. In 130 episodes and all the podcasts I listen to is why I've never heard of this book. I'm adding it to my book list. And rarely, Jim, do I add books to my book list. Um, <laughs> See, I hear one on Amazon or someone will recommend something. I buy it from Amazon and I'm way backed up, but I typically read all the time. Um, that, that one, uh, and I'm trying to think of like how to frame this so I don't sound like a tool, but I read, <laughs> I read a fair amount and I enjoy what I read, but like that one I couldn't put down. And wow. it's probably three or 400 pages. So it's not that short. It is a very easy read. But like I was so intellectually stimulated by that book. It is hands down number one favorite book of all time. I may, I may even bump it up to the top of the list. Um, <laughs> nice. Because you, you, you really like it. And now I'm, I'm getting excited. Um, I read about a book a week as well. And um, that's awesome. Definitely, uh, I just got done with uh, Can't Hurt Me. Have you, have you heard of that book? Yeah, with, with David, David Goggins. Goggins. Yeah, yep. I haven't read that one yet. It is on I got done with now. it this morning. I was like, dude, because I'm a big fan of Jesse Itzler. And um, when he. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, he, so. I met Jesse or not met, but saw Jesse for the first time at 10X last year. Um, and candidly, like, oh, yeah, he did free, speak there. Yeah. I got a free ticket to go out there. Nice. That guy's a gangster, man. I, yeah. I liked him. He was cool. Yeah. 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 Jesse's amazing. He's amazing. Yep. Like, so, so when he wrote that book, Living with Seal, it, it was so captivating. He wrote another one I read uh, called Living with Monks. Um, yep. But that's kind of what introduced me to David Goggins. And I just read his book and I was just like, like, and I'd been wanting to, I'd been thinking about reading it for a while, but again, books don't make it to my book list because it's literally that long. But my mastermind right. members was like, dude, you have to read the book. You have to read it. I read it over, I read it over the past two days and I was just like, yeah, this is, this is, this is where it's at. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So this is, this is definitely coming up. It may actually be the next book. I'm going to look at my book list and see if any of those books could sway me to switch its position. But this I is love that. Thing. I love so that. I appreciate that. Some feedback. Okay, nice. cool. Um, what is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or tool. I've recently come across Calendly and it's been life changing. So I have a lot of clients that want real time access to me in the business. And honestly, in order to help my team out on a day to day basis, at least the stage of the business that we're at and respond to the emergencies we need to respond to, I set up Calendly so you can book me 24 hours out. So um, that helps me level set my clients and say, Hey, listen, you know, if you have an emergency at your property, this helps me respond to real time to emergencies at your property or someone else's property during the day. So that's why we have to use this, this calendar. Yeah. Um, I, I feel that. a little bit bougie being like, Hey, check out my calendar, grab a time. But that has been such a huge um, entrepreneur hack for me lately. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I, I definitely had a lot of those feelings when I started using scheduling softwares like Calendly and, and some of the other ones. It, it's definitely something weird. But I, one thing I have noticed, I've never used it like the way you're using it. Um, but one thing I have noticed is that it doesn't come off as that. Like it comes off as that this guy actually values his time. Yep. Right. This person that, values their time. Feedback. And yeah, so it, it comes off very well. But, you know, subconsciously, you know, you're, you're similar to me in that. I'm just like, I don't, I don't want to rub people the wrong way, but I have yeah. to have it scheduled. Like I have, we have to have, there has to become some kind of structure. That's how my mind works. So I love that. You. Love that app. Love that app. Uh, what do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed? It, it's all about the time freedom, right? So going back to like the Calendly app and structuring my day, um, I have a little guy, he's three years old. And uh, you know, if I have an open morning, I may, I, I'll probably be able to spend a little bit more time with him, And that's huge for me. Or, um, Sometimes like property management's tough, man. Being a real estate investor is tough. Like you just deal with a lot of stuff. It's stressful. Um, sometimes I'll go and do like a salt float or catch a massage, not to sound too crazy. Um, but having that time freedom during the middle of the day to kind of unwind and relax a little bit or even just take a quick walk, um, that that's huge for me. 
I love that. I love that. My favorite is just just canceling my entire day. <laughs> I'm not at that point yet. I would love for that to happen. It happens very but, seldom, but sometimes I'm right. just like, dude, like this is why I did this. This is why I became an entrepreneur. Why am I so it. worried about canceling? Like, from a self care perspective, legitimately, like you need it sometimes, yeah. and it's going to help you be more effective for the next day, week, or month. Like sometimes you just got to shut down, take a couple deep breaths, go for a walk, and and clear your calendar. I'm with you. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? Yeah, it's the hard work and time trade-off, right? So um, I can remember the, so my first property that I bought every weekend, Saturday and Sunday, I'd wake up at 7 a.m. I'd go to the diner that was a block away. I'd eat a good breakfast and I would just plug away for the rest of the day you know, Home Depot trips, paint, painting hallways. Um, I put it on a new roof on the garage behind the building, but it's putting in the time. Trading time up front when you don't have the money, you don't have the experience. I always put in the time and put in the hard work. And that's what set me up to get to where I am today. So um, I always talk about like how I have multiple mentors that I've never met, but I dive deep on for six months to a year at a time. And I'm big on Eric Thomas. And Eric Thomas talks about you have to stick to like what you're good at, right? Like, no, I think, so I'm trying to think about the track that he talks about and he talks about how he's not the smartest guy in the room, but he's loyal. So that's what he sticks to, right? So I know that how I've got to where I am today, I've got to work hard. So if I face a challenge, I've got to put in the work and, and things will fall into place because that's like who I am. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, many people seem to forget about this, this part of, uh, Napoleon Hill's book, uh, think and grow rich, um, where he talks about, I mean, he, he's, he's probably the biggest, um, attributor to the mastermind concept in this day and age, right. And having masterminds and running masterminds and being a masterminds and how beneficial they are. But yep. you talk about some of the people that are my mentors and have no idea that I exist. There's a few of them. And he talks about this concept in the book to where he's just like, dude, like, and I, and I, and I built this over time. He was like, you can create a mastermind in your head. And it sounds crazy. I don't remember. So honestly, I don't remember that part of the book. Exactly. Like you said, most people don't, I've done that. So like, I can think of five guys right off the top of my head that I could rattle off. I've done that with, I've never met them. But you know what their response would be if you had a, if you had a problem, if you had a situation, I do that all the time. Like I have people, I have like my, you know, Grant Cardone could be the real estate or the sales mentor. Right. And I have people in different industries, maybe the podcasting mentor, maybe the coaching mentor. Right. Um, And I always go to them for advice. Always go to them for, Hey, what do you think about this? Right. And I hear, and I, I literally respond in their voice and what they would say. And it always helps me through to the next level. So guys, that's a golden nugget in itself. Like you don't have to go out and get a paid mentor or or be a part of a mastermind, even though I highly, highly suggest that you do. This is just as worth it. And it's all in your mind. I love that. Who was essential to your growth before the millions and why? So it was my dad. And honestly, when I, I know that sounds super cliche. When I was a kid, he always told me, go to school, read a book, right? So I went to school, read books, and I still get involved in real estate. He's a union carpenter, now retired. And when I went to buy my first property, he told me it was the biggest mistake I'd ever make in my life if I bought a multifamily. So the whole pro, like he had supported me my whole life, had a great relationship with him. He said, listen, you buy a single family, I'll be there every week and I'll help you out. And I said, well, I'm not interested in buying a single family. I want to buy a multifamily because it's going to help me out for the rest of my life right? From a financial perspective. So he didn't really buy in. He was still there every weekend to help me out. 
maybe not both days over the weekend, but at least for a few hours on a Saturday, that helped me out tremendously. And I can remember there was one point that the property management business started gaining traction. He's like, hey, where are you guys at now? I'm like, 100 units. He's like, do you make money? I'm like, yeah, a little bit of money. <laughs> and then uh, like six months later, I think we got to like, I don't know, 175, 200. And he's like, do you make money? I'm like, I'm almost making the same money that I make in my full-time job. Like, given that's going to you know, change as we scale and do certain things. But his eyes kind of opened. And he's like, man, I never thought you could do it, but I'm, I'm glad you stuck with it. Yeah. He's like, I'm in, I'm in, because this guy throws around, he never throws around a compliment. He, he made like a real, I don't know, like if yeah, you were listening, it. it was a compliment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, he's always had a tremendous impact on my life. But I think the important lesson there is that you always have to believe in yourself. So even if it's someone that's always believed in you, always giving you good advice, sometimes if you have that higher belief in yourself, if they say, you know, it's a bad idea, chase it. Yeah. Chase it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well said. Last but not least, why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention of getting to the millions? Do you ever hear that uh, Coach Carter quote of like, our, our largest fear is not that we're incapable, but that like we're able to take over the world? I, I, love it, that. I know that I just butchered that, but it's similar. But it, get, it gets it across. I love that. Right. Yeah. So I, I think that's it. Like a lot of people, get stuck and they think it's fear, but it's really just take action, right? So I think people get stuck on, well, what if this goes wrong or what if this goes wrong, right? Just chase it. Or in that sense of like, what if I am wildly successful? Well, hey, that's a really great outcome, right? So put in the action and you're going to get there a lot sooner than you think. Boom. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jimmy Murray. Jimmy, thank you so much for the value that you've provided to my listeners. I know that uh, we, we've taken people from, hey, I have no idea what to do in the property management space to I'm fully confident in, in the fact that I can get started. And I know that as long as I keep going, going back to take action, as long as I keep going, I'm going to hit success. I have my yeah. metrics. I know how to get my first property. I know how I'm going to get in, whether that's through a mentor, so a property management company that I'm working for, or right. I'm going to use my experience, or we didn't name this third one, but you brought it up and I just remembered it, or I'm going to have a partner who has experience. So that's, that's it. beautiful, 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 beautiful. Thank you for the message that you've shared with the listeners. Um, if any of the listeners want to get to know you or learn a little bit more about your company or what you have going on, or even talk about some of the social media that you're doing, where can they find you? Yeah. So Instagram is going to be the best, best spot. So my handle on Instagram is the notorious CFK for cash flow king. Cash Flow King, the notorious sure Cash Flow King. I love it. I love it. I love That's it. it. So be sure to follow Jimmy on Instagram. And Jimmy, thank you, my man. We will talk to you very, very soon. I appreciate it.